0: Faster than a struggling turtle. More powerful than Gary Rosen. Oh, well, I can't believe that. Able to leap tall juggalos in a single bound. Whoop, 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 whoop. Look, down on the ground. It's a germ. It's a worm. It's 508. Bursting from the subterranean depths of Wormtown like the mighty Shy halud. it's 508. A show about Worcester. It's May the 10th, 2019. This is 508, a show about Worcester. I am Michael Benedetti, and this is Brendan Malekin. Hi, Brendan. How are you doing?
1: I'm shaking,
0: brother. Brendan, we have a lot of news that we could talk about on the 508 show today. We have municipal election news, culture news, church news, transportation news, recycling news, environmental news, midtown mall news, economic news, commodities news, drug news, and culture news. I guess I said culture news twice. That's how much culture news we have. So much culture I want to start off with municipal election news because uh, May the 14th is the last day to submit the signatures that you need to get on the Worcester election ballot. And since last week's show, we've seen two people pull papers to enter the race. Peter Stefan, Worcester legend and funeral home director, intends to run at large, and Roger Frost intends to run in District 6. So we would have two challengers in District 5, one challenger in District 3, and no challengers in Districts 1, 2, or 4. It just seems weird to me. It just seems weird to me that there's in a year where there seems to be a lot of election uh, interest, there's just this one part of the... The, uh, the 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 race that doesn't have interest. I mean, I understand it. I'm not chiding people. I'm, I'm not saying that people need to run. I'm personally just personally thrilled that there's why. so much
1: interest in in people being my elected uh, official in the city of people
0: Worcester. People love District 5. <laughs> it's <a> beautiful. <laughs> ever since Gary Rosen was no longer—he's not your district council anymore, right? He's an at-large He's at-large, yeah. yeah. Ever since Gary Rosen— He ran was. out of combs. You know, Brendan, in culture news, Worcester resident Katie Burt, who sometimes comes on this show to talk about pop culture or hockey, is on this week's episode of the big-time pop culture podcast, The Incomparable, talking about the new Avengers movie. Which is fantastic. The Avengers Final Vengeance. <laughs> so good job, Katie. She's actually used the same microphone that we're using to tape this show, the same microphone that I think you hit the other the other second. Oh, sorry about that. Yeah. Um, um, Katie had a piece on... Uh, what's the blog that she wrote? Den of Geeks. She writes for Den of Geek. She
1: had a piece up this week uh, talking about um, discussing grief in uh, Avengers Endgame. Yes. It was one of the most stellar uh, pop culture pieces I think I've read in a long time. It almost made me feel bad. I, I, I saw... Katie, the day after I read it, uh, in the neighborhood, and and I actually ignored her because I didn't want to waste too much of her precious time uh, discussing that piece. It was fantastic.
0: I still, you know, I still haven't read that That's because you're a, a terrible friend. Well, no, because it's because it's because normally I have no respect for spoilers, and I asked Katie to spoil everything for me because Katie always gets to watch movies and things yeah. early. And I'm always. Have you still just not like, seen Endgame? Give me the most. I tried to watch. I tried to watch uh, the Avengers. Almost Endgame the other day. What's it called? Infinity War? <laughs> I had a hard time, man. It was like watching a Godard movie in that I was like, I know that there's a lot of talent and a lot of focus mm-hmm. that is being put into the people, the filmmakers here doing a certain exact thing they want to do, yeah. but it's not a thing which is aimed at me, so I'm just sort of befuddled by the whole thing. I think it is aimed at you. I think you just don't appreciate how... how spot on it is. I think it's the focus of it. I think, I mean, obviously the Avengers movie thing is basically like a 22 episode television series or whatever, right? But like more than most television series like every episode is trying to do so much that instead of like you know traditionally you start the television show off with several minutes explaining the premise of the show every time mm-hmm. or at least you spend a while trying to convince the audience that Lucille Ball or Jerry Seinfeld are charming and that you should care about their trials yeah. and travails but in these Avengers movies I feel like are moving so fast and are trying to get so much done emotionally, plot wise, thematically that like they just don't they just don't have that beat. There's just not that beat in Avengers uh, Penultimate Vengeance or whatever <laughs> it was called where they're like this is why you should care about Tony Stark they're like you definitely care about him or, or, or they emotional beat of like this is why Thor cares about Loki like I've seen multiple Avengers movies with Thor and Loki in them and I was pretty sure that Thor hated Loki but then Loki dies and Thor goes no
1: so I you're not wrong at all and I I think I've said this to you before the and and I I know that people will laugh at this because it it is kind of silly but I think it's spot on and true. You, that's why you got to see. All, I need to watch all. Of them. You need to watch all the movies, yes. and it's it is important from a perspective of appreciating how deep they've gone in terms of just narrative, and it would be like it would be like tuning in for the Battle of Helm's Deep, and trying to like sure. wonder why are the what's right. Going? Like, you can't watch the third Lord of the Rings, and I understand this. And I, you know not right? even just the one battle, right? Like yeah. it wouldn't make any sense. they you know they covered all that backstory, and one of the things they did well was I think with this franchise. Uh, was not getting so in the weeds of individual character backstory. It, it kind of all came together as things went along. Like, that yes. was one of the things they stopped doing was, after Iron Man, was like the uh, origin story. It was, no origin stories. Like, they just kind
0: of take for granted you, you kind of know this person exists. Big green guy. Who knows who yeah. he is? You gotta figure it out. You gotta figure it out on your own. Um, The Midtown Mall was sold this week for $4 million, somewhat less than its assessed value to Felicio Lana, who owns a bunch of properties, including the ones adjacent to the mall. Mm -hmm. The mall has for years now been threatened with eminent domain. The powers that be, believing the owners were running it like weird reclusive slum lords instead of people with an eye on future economic opportunities in downtown Worcester, I don't know if the new owners will make them any happier. They'll probably be easier to get a hold of. Well, it, what's interesting though is that, in, in this isn't so much reading between the lines, but what's been
1: explicitly said in press, unless I'm misreading, uh, is that you know the eminent domain conversation doesn't actually appear to be over, right? Right. They're like we could still do it because they, the 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 whole. The reason this sale ha- seems to have happened so quickly was the WRA gave the owners a 30-day timeline to come up with a financial turnaround plan, right, for, for them all, either financially yourself or with somebody else. Uh, they seem to have done that via a purchase and sale agreement, but they still haven't shown it to the WRA. And the WRA still seems to have great interest in what's going to happen here. Like, if this yeah. owner turns around and says, well... I bought it for $4 million, and to be honest with you, this building is my ideal building, like the way it is right now. This is what I've
0: always dreamed a building to look like.
1: I'm going to guess that somebody uh, at the WRA is going to turn around and say, yeah, that's not going to work for us.
0: Well, maybe it buys them some time. You know, Brendan... Let's talk about what you think is maybe the big story of the week, which is church news. Church news. Last week in Worcester, church news was church demolition news, and this week it's church rap video news. <laughs> worcester Nader Joiner Lucas. <laughs> Bizarro timeline this is in Worcester. Or as everybody I knew who knew him growing up in Worcester calls him Gary. Shot a video for his song Devil's Work in St. Peter's Church in Maine South, my church. Mm -hmm. In the video, he wanders around the nave of the church wearing a hat, holding a giant Bible in one hand, and a giant bottle of alcohol in the other hand, and prays for a bunch of celebrities to die. Hmm. Monsignor Scullin, the pastor of St. Peter's, has said he was on vacation while all this was happening and that they misunderstood what they were agreeing to when they agreed to let the video be filmed in the church. Uh, I'm a longtime member of the parish, and I'm not. Happy about this. It is a mildly trashy video, and it's in a space that I feel like is not supposed to be an even mildly trashy space. Yeah. Uh, but what do you think? I'm, so,
1: St. Peter's is, uh, b- b- I guess, technically my family's parish. That's in my family's all main south, so that's a. Mm-hmm. Uh, Monsignor I, unfortunately, I unfortunately usually only get to see him at weddings and funerals Great these guy. days. But uh, he is a fantastic human being. Yeah, I, I totally disagree. Um, yeah, no, I think it was an incredible use of the space. I thought, and, and that 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 parish is is absolutely gorgeous. I
0: love. It ju- looks. I tell you, they really make it look great in the video too. Yeah, like, no, it's not a bad looking church, but it, it looks great in that video. It looks absolutely sp- fantastic, and, and the lighting was. They don't was, show the carpeting because the carpeting is kind of dingy, and I feel like that's what brings the space down.
1: Carpeting in a church is very similar to carpeting in a restaurant. That's like, yeah, it's you, gonna, you don't, it's you gonna, don't want that. Yeah. Um, look, I kind of get it, I, but I, at the same, everyone's complaints. It's funny, right? Because you don't want to be critical of somebody's uh, beliefs if they're if they're originating from a position of faith. But everyone who was quoted in the story, it seemed more they were being critical from a position of being a cranky old person, uh, who just basically, because they were all starting out by saying, I hate hip-hop, right? Yes. Like, the, the argument really seemed to be, like, they, they dislike the taste in music.
0: I don't think that was him. Nope. I feel like, I think, the argu- I think the argument was that you have a video where a guy's praying for a bunch of people to die. No, no, I didn't, and that but he wasn't, like, though.
1: So you uh, didn't listen to the video. I did listen to the video. You didn't listen to the video?
0: What was he praying for in the video? He was asking a question. He was asking... Why don't you? Why do all
1: these good people keep? And I think it's a valid question for anybody who, who claims to have a faith in a higher
0: power and not. Why an does Don Why does Don Henley live and Red Fox die? Why for anyone who believes
1: in an omniscient, omnipotent, benevolent God, I think that's a fair question to ask. Right? Is like why do all these seemingly wonderful people end up dying uh, horrible, tragic deaths while they're young in life, and these seemingly horrible, atrocious human beings thrive and benefit uh, in, in in this bizarro timeline that we live in? Mm-hmm. And yeah, I didn't. Here, I, I listened to it a couple times. One, the beat's fantastic. I'm just trying to figure out who would put together the beats for this one, because I know Joyner, Gary, um, uh, does use some local producers for some of his beats in the past, but that yeah. one was incredible. And um, But beyond that, it was like, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I, I thought it was actually another great track from local hip-hop artists, and we should be really proud of that. I don't know. And I think the setting was fantastic. I don't know. Maybe they... Should have upped the budget and used a you know built a fake church, right? Well, like, you know, I, mean, I, I don't know. That's I,
0: I I feel like so. Let me just let me just uh, uh, characterize this argument as saying this is not the worst thing that's happened in the nave of that church, and like this is not some great crime. Mm-hmm. Somebody made a a video that I find tacky or whatever. Yeah. Uh, or even that somebody did something inappropriate in a church. It's not uncommon, and it's not like a great crime. And sure. Like, Nobody, you know, the the miscommunication, I think, I, I honestly do think that, like, if anybody had given uh, anybody in a leadership position of the church, like, the lyrics to this song or played the track for them, mm-hmm. they would have been like, you know, good luck to you, but, like, this is not the kind of thing yeah, that we're yeah. about. And that's, I think that that's the only thing. To me, that's, the, I mean, you know, that's the, I mean, I guess that all, the, even the bishop was complaining about hip-hop. I don't know why any of these guys go off message. Like that. It's like <laughs> Seriously, somebody, stay on your islands, guys. <laughs> yeah, somebody says to you, like, hip-hop. You say, yeah, I like some hip-hop. You know? Whatever, I'll yeah. Like, that's uh, whatever, you know, run DMC. Great. Just come out at night, whatever.
1: It, again, it just sounded like a bunch of old guys complaining about their taste in music. Well,
0: I want to talk yeah. about I want to talk about the things that that it made me think about. I want to talk about um, other in, unconventional church-based videos, specifically the opening of Boondock Saints, Joe Perry sure. reads you the church announcements, and the West Wing episode the Two Cathedrals. <laughs> All right. And this reminded me <laughs> unfavorably of the Boondock Saints. hmm and also, I feel like it was on, it was not done as well as the West Wing episode, Two Cathedrals, either. In the sense that, like, when I'm looking at this guy and I'm like, here's a guy, he's in the sanctuary, he's in the, not the sanctuary, he's in the nave of the church. That's mm-hmm. the, the audience area of the church. And he's just kind of walking around. He's not, like, genuflecting. He's not, like, moving like a person moves in a church. So there's no reference to that yeah. aspect of the thing. Yeah. It's just, like, he might as well be in a nice park. Sure. Um. It's just a nice background. Except he's having a conversation with God, and I think well, a lot you know, of people it, would right. say that, like, you know, but that's so, so that's the right. So he's in that's there the, the venue. He's, so he's got this giant bottle of alcohol. He's walking around with. And somehow he's gotten into this church in the middle of the day. It's unclear why this is. I guess there's a mass funeral going on. Although there's also a lot of shots that make it seem like maybe is St. Peter's open the mass during mass the day funeral. Funeral. for a break? You, no, you can't. So there, there's some churches that are open during the day, but most churches are not oh, open really? during the day. Yeah, because otherwise, random people with giant bottles of alcohol would be wandering into them. God forbid somebody come in and try and pray or something. you should be always praying I mean they're open a lot of the time they're open a lot of the time and the churches have chapels and things that are open but you can't just wander into St. Peter's in the middle of the day if you show up for mass early you can't even get into St. Peter's I'll tell you this at least this is I mean I've not really ever tried to go in there in the middle of the day I've tried to get to go to mass early when it's been locked Um, so it's like and also he's like wearing this hat in the the whole video which to me is like again is like if you're somebody who like grew up in this church or you know like or or are again in some sort of ecclesiastical mindset you're just like not wearing the hat in church or if you are it's for some specific reason and this to me is the thing that i feel like there's no acknowledgement of this as a particularly sacred space again it might as well just be like a nice you know a nice park or a nice chapel in the woods with a nice little cross in the corner or something that he's trying sure. to so i would say for example in the west wing episode of the two cathedrals this is the one where president bartlett uh Puts out a cigarette on the floor of the National Cathedral as an as a statement against of anger towards God, mm-hmm. and apparently, a um, in, in National Cathedral, actual Episcopal Cathedral, apparently actually uh, did not expect this to ha- this kind of a thing to happen as part of this shoot, and really restricted people shooting stuff after that. Sure, um, but this is something where it's like you know where President Bartlett's coming from faith wise, you know his history with church spaces, mm-hmm. so you get why he is. Very pointedly, lighting up in church and putting up the cigarette on the floor of the church. Like, you get what that's about. Yeah. This is one where you're like, you don't get why he's got, why he's doing this totally unchurchy stuff in this church. Like, what's his history with this church? What is the situation here? What's the scenario? It's just being used as a background, and it's not taking, it's, 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 so it's just sort of using it in a cheap way. You know, I also they have th- a completely different take on that. So I also, th- I'll, I'll say, I'll I also, think that's beautiful. I'll also compare it, say, to the beginning of The Boondock Saints. You've mm-hmm. probably seen The Boondock Saints. A million times. Fantastic so, film. I hate The Boondock Saints. I've only ever seen the first hour of The Boondock Saints. So, I, And the church possible. scene
1: is one of the best scenes imaginable. Right, so
0: the church scene of Boondock Saints is the beginning scene where there is this some sort of bizarre liturgy going on mm-hmm. in what is obviously not a Catholic church, but it's intended to be a Catholic liturgy. Mm-hmm. It, is a, it is, in fact, a Methodist church. And they make no attempt to rearrange anything, move the pulpit, do anything. <laughs> Sure. (laughs) to make it look like a Catholic church. They don't say the Our Father the way that you say it during a Catholic liturgy. Mm -hmm. And that's what they're saying. So this is like the thing which, again, like if you've ever gone to a Catholic church or a Catholic or were ever Catholic for one year of your life, you're watching this and you're like, what is going on? Mm -hmm. This makes no sense liturgically. Like obviously the creators of this do not care about the Catholic liturgy, do not care about the Catholic faith. Mm -hmm. They just want something cool, which is fine. But then why are you spending so much time on it. I sort of feel like this is like, if you don't care about martial arts, great, don't have a martial arts scene in your movie, or if you do, make it short and get right. it over with. Don't have some sort of, a bunch of stuff about martial arts in your movie if you don't care about it. Mm-hmm. And that to me is unlike the, 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 the two cathedrals episode of the west wing is one where you're just like i don't get where these guys are connected to in catholicism there's definitely plenty of parts of catholicism that you could connect your desire to be uh, a gangster assassin to yeah there's definitely i mean right i mean there's plenty of like death death cults that like the mexican drug cartels are into that have a lot of roots in catholicism you could have all kinds of crazy stuff like that in this movie if you want to instead it in boston great you got me sold they don't do any of that kind of stuff Mm -hmm. they don't even know what religion they're in so uh, the third thing I would compare this to is the the, the, the short film Joe Para Reads You the Church Announcements from Joe Para Talks to You, I think is the name of the show, on uh, Adult Swim. You ever see this? No. He reads the church announcements for the second Sunday of Advent, and they do this in also in Episcopal Church, I believe, up in uh, Milwaukee. And they have the right number of Advent candles lit. Mm -hmm. And they, like, have the right amount of awkwardness of the person reading the church bulletin announcements in the church. And I think it's not intended to be Catholic. I think it is intended to be Episcopal. But to me, it just strikes this note, this perfect note. So it's the kind of thing that, like, if you... Don't go to church a lot. You're like, great. Here's a guy being weird in church. Mm-hmm. This is hilarious. And if you're somebody who does go to church a lot, or has gone to church in your life, you look at it and you're like, oh, that's so true. Right. Oh, oh, that's so familiar. Like this is a, again, this is like a martial arts movie made by people who care about martial arts. Except in this case, I don't think there was any
1: intent uh, necessarily to focus on Catholicism. The yes. fact that it was. Oh, definitely
0: not. So I'm, I mean, not, you're, I'm not. you're able so to view it. What from I'm the, saying is, yeah, this could be. It, he could. They, they, this video could be pretending this is a Baptist church. So this video could be pretending this yeah. is a. Whatever. I just feel like I don't know why he's why he's being so weird in a sacred space I don't need a backstory for Jonah Lucas no, character. I, know. I just needed some sort of visual acknowledgement but there's also some stuff that that's in
1: that um, in the video that again that, that I think you can be fairly critical of but also um, also acknowledge our like real thing like the bottle of hennessy right like drinking while mourning is not a rare thing like no, anyone who not. says that it's is not. like a rare thing is a again has never mourned right that's yes. like what you're saying about it like boondock saints like you've clearly never been to a catholic mass like when my father passed away i literally ran out of pockets from all of the flasks that had been tucked into my coat in my pants from people who were and i'd never experienced this before because i yes. never lost a parent but like it was every other person who came up to me while giving me a hug managed to secretly slide like a flask of whiskey right. into different parts of my body. So I was like, yeah, I get that. Like the Hennessy might seem like, oh, geez, you're drinking in church. Yeah. And, I mean, I, obviously, and one, if you are Catholic,
0: right. you should be drinking in church because yeah. that's one of your major sacraments right there. Obviously um, this is not him supposed to be going in there being super yeah. sanctimonious or anything. And this is why he's going in there wearing his hat. Yeah. Carrying I think under, wielding his Bible, carrying his his bottle of alcohol. And just on a very basic
1: level, I again I think it, it is fair, uh, from a whether it be a pop culture perspective, or maybe it's something that like, you know, I, again, I, I was at a, um, a first communion last week, and, and whenever we get to the part about the, uh, the 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 mystery of faith, that's always the thing that like, that like that's why I don't go to church anymore. Like I'm too old for mysteries, right? Like that's yeah. for that's for some grade school stuff. I don't I don't have time for it. Like I like logical explanations for things, and I think a lot of the stuff that. Uh, again, dismiss it because it's pop culture or you don't like the style of music. Having an adult conversation about some of the unfairness in society where some like really, really great people end up getting... <laughs> they're murdered uh, unnecessarily young in life while we live in a society that seems to celebrate terrible people thriving. And this is just my own perspective as well, too. But we do see, uh, from time to time... Uh, especially during times of war not all but some uh, parishes within uh, even our diocese here in Worcester uh, seem to take a very supportive uh, position when it comes to uh, war and atrocities that affect other people as well too yeah, so sure. I do think that it is fair uh, to use the Catholic Church as a backdrop for that as well yeah. because
0: although it's, this parish is about the most social justice 100% in the of yeah no one and
1: mean, that's why I was clear when I said that was my that's that's like my family parish because that was the point of origin for us when my family first came to Worcester, But yes, the parish I grew up in, it's a lot more conservative. And you know, that, that was more banging drums. Uh, when it, whenever bombs started falling, it was more bang, banging drums uh, uh, about doing the right thing towards other people's heathens, right? I mean, it was kind of weird and bizarre and an ugly thing to grow up in. So I think using that as a backdrop, again, for a, an international audience... Because we're not just the, it, Joyner's not like a, a yes. local hip hop artist, yes. right? He's not an unknown. Yes. Like he's, he's definitely not. He's a to Grammy refer to nominated hip hop, specifically either. Nobody yeah. in the
0: world needs to know about St. Petersburg.
1: We're parish. the only people, you know. Bishop McManus is literally the only person in the world talking about like the 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 backdrop, right? Because it's it's you're talking about a Grammy nominated hip hop artist that we should be proud of. Not only came from the city of Worcester, came from Maine South, uh, grew up during a period of time that you could argue during his youth was when we peaked violent c- crime in Maine South, and I'm sure I don't know him well enough or really at all to to to, to, i'm gonna guess probably lost a few people along the way and it's probably as as a young person had that conversation with himself or whatever higher power he believes in whether he does is man this seems really unfair there are some downright atrocious people that seem to keep us skirting skirting by and yet here we are holding the bag on loss and i think i think it's a fair question to ask
0: a higher power i think so i think it's just a question of is this the right you know you know like you know, if you're sitting there, I mean, again, if you're sitting there carrying the bottle of alcohol around the church, the priest or who any the usher or whatever is going to come up to you and be like, please, please knock do it that. off, yeah. right? But if you talk to that usher an hour after Mass and you're like, hey, you want to get a beer? They're going to be like, of course I want to get a beer mm-hmm. because the place to have the beer is the bar down the yeah, street, yeah. not in the middle of the church. And yep. Similar kind of a deal. Um, like I said, I, you know, I just all I want is here's what I want. Whenever they do the re, whenever they do the remix version, of it, or, people, or Weird Al does his parody version of yeah. Devil's Work, I you know I want it, there to be this part, maybe the bridge, maybe some ch- chunk of the song when it gets a little bit more devout or a little bit more thoughtful, where he just takes the hat off as this gesture of like, now I'm going to be you know devout for a moment, and then maybe he as argues himself. Hamlet, like, back into being frustrated with God and puts the hat back on. It's a gesture of, like, no, I'm not going to take the hat off in your in your house, Lord. I'm not going to do it. Like, I just want there to be some acknowledgement in the video that, w- w- what, that this hat is, like, a crazy thing. You know what I want uh,
1: to see happen is next time Joyner comes around locally to tour, even if it's down Providence or Boston, I hope that uh, Monsignor Scollins, uh, Bishop McManus, Rabbi Vogelman, and the imam whose name I'm not going to uh, ruin, and I apologize for not remembering it, I hope they all all go along for the ride, get backstage passes, and are shown the time of their life. Because those are four guys that could use a little bit of
0: hip-hop in their lives. And Monsignor Scullin would actually be pretty fun in that scenario. He would be
1: fantastic in that he, scenario.
0: He wouldn't be into it. He would just be like, listen, I'm like 80 uh, could, We could get him into it. I'm I know. Going to sleep but at 4 o'clock in the no, we
1: could get him into it, and I think, uh, that, think it would be good for all of them. It would be a healthy healthy night for all of them.
0: Hey, Brendan Mellican. Here's an essay by Tyler Cowen. Forget robots. <laughs> the breakthrough technology will be in your car. Did you read this essay? I did not. He writes, over the next 20 years, what will be the most unexpectedly transformative technology? And he thinks his, the answer is the automobile, but not self-driving, not self-driving vehicles. Ride-sharing has been the biggest technological boost to my standard of living since the smartphone and the service benefits both drivers and non-drivers. And uh, there, most people have still not even started using ride-sharing, so there's plenty of room for the market to grow. Uh, And then he says, another reality of the contemporary automobile is that Tesla has managed to rethink the entire design. The dashboard and interior are reconfigured. The drive is electric. Software is far more prominent and integrated into the design. Voice recognition operates many systems, and there are self-driving features, too. Whether or not you think Tesla as a company will succeed, its design work has shown how much room there is for improvement. Yeah. And I'm kind of – this idea that, like, the next smartphone will be radical car changes – this does not feel like an accurate argument to me. You're not a driver, though. You know what, though? I feel like I have driven a bunch of different cars. Sure. I drive cars on a regular basis. I don't drive like a lot of sports cars. Mm-hmm. I've driven some electric cars. You ever drive I, a Tesla? I have driven a Tesla. Yeah. I've driven some crappy cars. I would rather drive a Tesla than the other cars. Yeah. It's nicer. It has a little thing that tells me if I'm going to ram into somebody. That's mm-hmm. pretty good. But, I, but know, I don't feel it's like the difference between a BlackBerry and an iPhone dri- dri- driving an old, an old beat-up, you know, Ford the um, versus
1: a Tesla, newer Teslas with autopilot, and especially the ones that go like ten billion miles per hour and I feel never, like you're in a I rocket n- ship. I never
0: could get the autopilot turned on.
1: It's yeah, no, it's absurd, Mike. I mean, it, it is like driving a rocket ship. Uh That's the the, the speed at which they accelerate. It's like a driving
0: billion. a cartoon car. That was my yeah. feeling because it just like yeah, it makes no sound as it gets faster. It just goes as fast as you want, as fast as you need it to. The, the other like thing that rocket. is uh, that that I found too, there's
1: something about. It was weird to me at first. The first time I saw like the big, the, the oversized iPhone that they use for a dashboard uh, in, yeah. in a Tesla. Right. I can't remember which manufacturer it was, but it might have been Toyota or Volvo. I don't know whether they're both in my head. But um, at Google I/O uh, this past week, um, a bunch of auto manufacturers are announcing their uh, intent to go all in with Android Auto as being like the not just like the media center, but the brain for the car. Right. Um, and they're they're moving to displays like that. I think when you start merging that self-driving function, along with ride-sharing, along with removing all of the things that we think make a car a car, like knobs and buttons everywhere, and it just kind of does what it needs to, it does kind of take on that life of a a smartphone in the same way that, like, you know, you can use a smartphone, like, my mom uses her smartphone the way that she uses her house phone, right? Like, she makes phone calls on it and whatnot. I, I'm getting to the point where, like, my phone, it's I, I'm just talking to it throughout the day. Like, it doesn't come out of my pocket. Like, it's, you
0: know, it... it I never got into that. One of my housemates talks to, says, hey, Google, or whatever all yeah, the time. I, I mean, never could get into it. And that. I do it through my headphones, so
1: other people aren't hearing it. It's like, I'm just having... an Android Assistant is just getting weird and creepy in the things that it can do. The next generation of it, it's conversational. Like, the whole, hey, Google thing goes out the window, and you can just have an ongoing conversation with it. There's, I would be curious to see what... um what the uh tyler's uh what 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 got him thinking about this but there were i was watching an interview recently with a guy from mit i think he's mit harvard uh young dude russian guy um that uh work is is somewhere between theorist and engineer um and that's a lot of his focus is on cars and automation uh and whatnot his whole his whole thing is like you know His personal work is basically creating AI that's similar to the movie Her, where, like, you can have, like, an actual relationship with your technology. And that's, like, that's kind of, like, where uh, Google Assistant is starting to head. I'll be curious to see how Siri, like, Apple uh, amps things up along that front. But I, I do think cars in particular... We have a very intimate relationship with cars and while we we could be viewing ourselves as heading like heading towards like a post-car sort of society you know cities are being rethought around walking uh, pedestrians uh, yeah. mixed-use transportation and whatnot especially for distance there still is that intimate relationship with cars um and if you can rethink the way we both get them around and interact with them yeah there, there's there's some real potential there for stuff
0: I guess he's I guess he's I guess he's making an accurate point too that like at least as far as user experience goes the robot car is not necessarily going to be a big miracle like economically it's going to be pro- a huge change to things but like as far as user experience goes it's not going to be seems like it's not going to be that much different from like an Uber Like Or a cab. Maybe. A cab is a self-driving car. Yeah. Um, You know, I mean, it's going to be in some ways different than riding in a cab, obviously, but in some ways it's going to be, you know, 90% of it is riding in a cab.
1: And the way I look at it, I have looked at it for myself anyways, and I, I couldn't afford a Tesla, but like my limited experience with them. Relative to what I do drive, so like I drive a twenty-year-old Jeep Wrangler. That's a standard, right? So like I I couldn't be any more hands on. I'm, I'm putting this yeah article here just you. to get out of my way. You do I couldn't it. I couldn't be any more hands on with my car if I tried, right? Like things are. At least three different things break a day yeah. uh, that I have to fix myself. Uh, you know, it was just yesterday replacing a multifunction switch because my turn le- turn signals decided that they meant to turn on the high beams, and that's really obnoxious when you're driving at light and you go to turn right and suddenly you just blinded the person coming at you. But so like I'm constantly fixing things. It's a you're standard. Tire, your,
0: your wheels are falling off. My wheel fell off a couple if, weeks back. As we uh, know.
1: Um, it's like, but then you hop into Tesla, and it's like you kind of don't have to do anything. You just have to show up. That's you just need to be there and you, that, that just being present thing. And I'm not saying you should be ignoring everything that's going on around you, but the, the, the amount of effort that's taken off of your uh, back by yes, yes. Uh, the autopilot, along with all of that data just being in front of you when you do need to see what's happening around you or I don't know it's, it's again, it's like a smartphone if you're using it to its full extent. Like if you want, like I get weirded out by people who 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 are casual users of computers now. Like, why do you have a computer? Like, if all you're doing is watching YouTube videos and checking your Facebook feed, and you use a computer, like I run I run most of my business off of my phone. Like I don't I don't use a computer for anything other than like the stuff that I need multiple displays in front of me for with like a nine million uh, tab uh, spreadsheet uh, you know package or whatnot. I feel like that's where cars are, are headed. Is it's just taking things off of one plate uh, and allowing you to, to to cherry pick how you want to be taking some of that time back.
0: You know, Brendan, I have here another article. Another. This is an interesting interview with the journalist Adam Minter, who wrote the book a Junkyard Planet and a forthcoming book called Secondhand. And he makes a point that I think ties to our recycling discussions. He says, "I slowly began to understand that people in consumption-based societies." assemble their identities via stuff mm-hmm. and become very emotional when those identities and that stuff is discarded in ways that don't match their values. Right. Over the years, I've come to the conclusion that consumers actually care much more about how their stuff is discarded than how it is manufactured, <laughs> which I think helps explain why our discussions around trash and recycling in Worcester has such an emotional component Yeah. Um, that whenever we say, oh, this trash idea is good or this trash idea is bad – Um, people get their hackles up in a way that they don't if you say, you know, hey, we're going to try – there's a better kind of a concrete or this old kind of concrete we used to use is actually bad. I think as as you mentioned when uh, we were talking about this before the show, it also –
1: Maybe explains the nonsense of Marie Kondo, or is it Kondo? It's a?
0: not nonsense, but it's animism. <laughs> it's total nonsense. It's animism. Well, it's that's what it is, we, but, and that's,
1: that's why it's nonsense.
0: We, right, like this article you
1: that shouldn't I shouldn't be out. thanking your books for uh, right. their service. Like but, you should acknowledge but, that it's right. just
0: pulp. <laughs> that's probably so, but I do. I mean, you do sort of like have this article that you printed out at home, and you're like, this is kind of like a living being. <laughs> it's not. But yeah. some part of my mind thinks that it is. So probably, maybe part of the reason I have with discarding it is because I'm just like, I can't just like abandon my friend. Yeah. But I can say, thank you for your service, printout. And then I feel a little bit better about sending it on its way. And especially if I'm recycling it and it's like a nice recycling thing. And I know that it's going to be well cared for. And the recycling guys like have really cool shoes or whatever. The recycling plant is a very beautiful place for it to go and like live out its post, post-consumer post life.
1: Yeah, but you know, you're you're right and it's also exactly what's genius about this piece though is we got it all backwards and it's whether it's materialism or consumerism or the things that, that have helped us get it backwards we couldn't care less about the people who are actually involved with the making of our stuff yes uh, you know the toddlers that are making our, our iPhones for us they're in, doing in great China. work
0: they're, they're fantastic I actually do care good we, job toddlers I
1: mean, we make sure we go out of our way to make sure that that iPhone uh, gets a proper uh, smartphone burial uh, but we think not of the five year old that throws himself off the top of the Foxconn building uh, because they just can't handle assembling anymore. Uh, I, any more iPhones? It's that's a really bizarre place for us to be. That we care so much about our stuff, and I care about my stuff too. So I'm not. I mean, yeah. like I'm 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 guilty as charged, and I'm pointing this finger right at myself. But that is a a bizarro universe place for us to be uh, when we we don't think at all about where our stuff comes from, but where it ends up actually matters to us.
0: You know, speaking of the Boondock Saints, you had mentioned that there's also a Fight Club angle yeah. to all of this. The I'm not my khakis thing. Yeah, and of course. I am my khakis. You are, and you look fantastic. Yeah, I, mean, I, mean, I have no separate stable st- stable self, as the Buddha would tell me. So, honestly, my khakis are there. the the the, <laughs> the fact of me having bought them is as much a part of me as anything else, and uh, and especially Adam Minter would think I'm the way that I dispose of my khakis. Yeah. Um, <laughs> did you know that Thomas White at Assumption has released the quarterly Worcester Economic Index? I have. I did not. I never that. saw this before. Did you ever see this before? Yeah. Um, He writes economic. He's been doing this for years. He writes economic activity in the Greater Worcester area slowed during the first quarter of 2019, according to the Worcester Economic Index. Since December, the WEI has increased at a 0.1 percent annualized rate, which falls short of the revised 1.4 percent rate for the fourth quarter of 2018. The Worcester Economic Index is estimated using Bureau of Labor Statistics employment and unemployment data for the Greater Worcester area, the NECTA. Mm -hmm. According to the BLS Current Population Survey of households, almost 3,000. More people had jobs in March 2019 than March 2018, and unemployment fell from 4% to 3.5%. However, the BLS Payroll Survey estimates the number of jobs in the region actually declined by 4,600 since March 2018. The seeming contradiction of the employment estimates between the two surveys is the result of different sampling populations and employee, employment definitions. Hmm. And I tried to figure out how he calculated this. I read a bunch of stuff. There's no article in the popular press that, I believe the writer understands how he calculates this because they never even attempt to explain it. They just say, oh, it's a thing that he comes up with. I think it's basically, I would say it's basically the average of uh, two or three measures of unemployment in the metro area. It's, it's, it is not the average. Mm-hmm. It is more complicated mathematically than that. But as far as the layman is concerned, it's the, it's the average unemployment in What's well, interesting, though, is that I, I saw nothing mentioning
1: this uh, piece that was not negative. It seemed like it seemed like the salty folks hopped all over this as like oh look you know Worcester's booming Worcester Renaissance we lost 4,600 jobs. I didn't see your your mention of that is actually uh, that that we actually have have saw a decrease in unemployment is the first that I saw of the. Flip side of that, which seems yeah. to be more positive.
0: Yeah, I mean, this is probably. Well, I mean, he. I mean, he also notes, which none of the cranky people are going to say, that they always revise these statistics. So yeah. they, these are the preliminary statistics, and they always three months down the road mm-hmm. have better numbers and put out a revised number. And then that 0.5 percent, it could be 0.5 percent higher. It could be down, even down to three percent, for all we know. This is just the guess, the guesstimate. Yeah. Um, you know, I mention this because Brent crude oil is seventy dollars a barrel, <laughs> down half a percent on the week. Bitcoin is $6,200, up 11% on the week and down only 28% of the year. Bitcoin, bro, what is up with you? Making a comeback. It's making a comeback. Don't call it a comeback. Actually, it is definitely a comeback. It's been here for years. No, not that long. Um, boy, thanks, thanks for watching this show. This is everybody. a show about Worcester, but we haven't talked that much about Worcester. How do you feel about Worcester this week? I feel fantastic. We gotta get, we do gotta get. Katie... I feel better about Denver though. They just decriminalized mushrooms. We do gotta get Katie Burt to write an article about Worcester and grief, because I feel like a lot of these changes in Worcester, we forget about the grief component, where it's like you're, you know, maybe you're improving parts of the city, you're turning a vacant lot into mm-hmm. a baseball field or whatever, you're, you know, you're paving paradise and putting up a parking lot, whatever it is. But there's like an aspect of grief involved with like. All right. Like uh, objectively, I would rather have that baseball stadium than that vacant lot, but there's still a loss associated with that. And I feel, and if you feel like you can't acknowledge it, then it just comes out in unhealthy ways. It does. Like with Tony Stark.
1: We need better. We we need to to learn to cope with our grief better as a species. Or as a society. Other 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 societies do it better than us. But yeah.
0: (sighs) This is your show. This is the show about grief. Did you just give away Endgame spoilers? What that Steve Rogers feels grief in Endgame? Doesn't he always feel grief? Or Tony Stark or somebody? Steve Rogers I feel is like dead the time. No, I, I, I think, think like the one thing that I you know, just know just is that Steve Rogers has been dead You just slid in a, uh,
1: an end-game spoiler. I don't know. I mean, I haven't even seen it. it. I have yep. no
0: idea what happens in this movie. I, a billion things happen. Everything I say is going to be a spoiler. But thanks for watching The 508 <laughs> Show. Thanks for listening. Gabby, you're the best. Stay strong. Talk to you next week.